tonight, uh, if you could turn to that please in your Bibles. As many of you may know, um, I've been going through a book in the Bible called Romans, um, which is a wonderful book in the Bible, and this is my final preach uh, in that series, and um, also my final preach, well maybe I'll come back, maybe they'll invite me back again, maybe in the future. Um, As you may know, you may not know if you're a visitor here, um, my wife and I are moving to South West London, Putney, um, through God's orchestration. Um, not certainly, I'm not going to throw this at you, uh, it's actually part, you know. Um, it, it just felt God had, has spoken to us v- through various ways. Um, and uh, maybe I'll say a bit more about that later. But we feel God has led us. Now I've been in this town for my entire life, that's 30, I don't know how many years now, 37 years. I've been in this church for 20, 20 years. And uh, we feel it's finally time uh, God has, uh, God has always put Hastings, I've been here and, and there's been many opportunities for me to move on from here before now, um, th- in, at various stages of my life, but I've always felt God has called me to this town and to serving this church and um, it's come as a surprise to me, uh, but I definitely believe it's from God that he's moving my wife and my family on to South West London. So, um, God is good, you know, he's got a great future for you. Uh, he's got a great future for this church. Uh, that's, you know, that story, that um, inspiring video um, that we heard. It's got, you know, God has got great things. And to be honest with you, the Bible promises great things. It, it, God's word promises great things for his church. He loves his church. He's involved in his church. He's building his church. And he's got great things for us and for you. And I really want you, I want to encourage you, get on board, get on board with what God is doing here in this church. Get on board, get behind Paul and the team, and as that team develops, I mean the leadership team, be involved in, be a team together. You know those big Roman galleons, those big Roman ships? Row together. I can say this, I'm going, come on guys, come on men, come on women, all of you. God has got a great thing for this town. He's got a great... Uh, he wants to see many people brought out of darkness and into light. Yes. He wants to see many people being healed, delivered. And he wants to use you. You are a soldier. Men, women, young people, you're not here, you're out there. Soldiers for the living God. This is not peacetime. This is not a time to be resting. This is not a time... A comfort he will bring to you in the battle. Okay, in the battle. You are in battle. And if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling on the sidelines, well, get in the centre. Get involved. Get serving. Get stuck in. Get your heart involved in this church. Local church is really important for you. And I want to tell you, come on, get marching in step together. I can use all the analogies. We can row together. We can march together. We can do all these things together. But together we can do more than we can individually. Okay? This beautiful building that we're in now, it's, it's, it's a testimony to what you can do together. The ministries that go on in this church and the, te- and the ministries that have gone on before. Think about all the wonderful things God has used you for to touch many young people through Kids Club. It's just, and that's just one of many. Link coming up to its 10th anniversary. Link lunch for the elderly. Small groups, cell groups, 
So, none of it's wasted. It's all sowing. And it's all going to reap a harvest. And maybe you won't see necessarily all the good things that come out of your obedience in this life. But there'll be great reward for you. There's great reward for you. Do you know what? There's a crown of glory that awaits you. How, how you know, and, and it's one of the motivations that we're to have. That when we, when we fall asleep, as the Bible calls death for a Christian, you will be with him forever. And you will receive a reward for the things done whilst in the body. And the time is short for all of us. I was just thinking, as I, as I do, I'm a bit of a morbid person. I walked into the loos earlier and it came to me, you know what? And this is the sort of thoughts I have. You've got 15 years until you're 50. <laughs> now, some of you are over, the, over that age. You'll think, well, that's nothing. I'm like 80. And the, good, the best is yet to come. But I just, it just made me think, how quick... How quickly time passes. When I, when I first joined this church, I was 18. I was the same age as many of those young people uh, that, have, that have left us this morning. And, um, um, and now I am 37. 15 years, I'll be 50. 13. 13? Where did those years go? <laughs> All right, I can, be, I can be kind of like, you know, on the positive side, 15 years. But that's not, I'm not saying that getting old is bad at all. Um, all I'm saying is time goes by. You will be with God forever. I will be with God forever if you're a Christian. And you will be rewarded for the things done. And you'll suffer loss for the things you haven't done. There'll be great joy in his presence. And somehow we will still know that we have suffered loss. And I don't get that. The parable of the talents talks about it. And this is not what I'm preaching about this morning. I just want to come on the back of that preach. Oh, on that preach, that, that message that came up there. It's all very glorious to hear that. And you go, oh. But it's today, it's tomorrow, it's the next day, it's faithfulness, year in, year out, year in, year out. Let me urge you to faithfulness. Not just the initial trumpet call, but day in, day out, day in, through discouragements, when those times when you feel, oh, nobody's, nobody notices, nobody's for me, I'm not sure what's going on, we all go through those moments, faithfulness. So guys and girls, men and women, get involved. You are very important for the cause of Jesus Christ and for his glory and for the healing of many and who knows where you may go through that? Who knows where those you may touch may go? And I'm one of those people that have been touched by the gospel. And in my little way, I have touched some people's lives. In my little way, I am now going to London, going to be serving God, see what he does there. But you lot, many of you, have played a big part in... And you are... I mean, who knows? Who, who, many of you will be rewarded for whatever I do. Because of you and your faithfulness, your prayers, your encouragements, your servanthood towards me that's enabled me to stand. I'm not blowing, I'm not blowing a trumpet, am I? I'm just saying to you guys, be faithful. I need, a, I need somebody to um, take hold of this. Nick, Nick, my brother, come. You, you say, okay. No? Oh, come on, Nick. Come here. Come here, Nick. Come here, Nick. Right, Nick, this is what I want you to do. Just for the next few minutes. You've got, you, I don't want to give you too long because he's a perfectionist, Nick is. 
and he'll be like, oh, it'll take forever, and I'll build, oh, I just want to build something glorious. I just want you, Nick, to just, like, create a pot. There we are, a pot, sorry, it's boring. A pot, okay, just stand there. You've got about five minutes, don't... All right, go and join Wrigglers. That's all that. Romans chapter 8. Let's just turn to Romans chapter 8 in our Bibles. Let me read to you from verses 28 to 32. They will come up behind me. Um, This. And, And we know... And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose... For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Okay, nice pot, good. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I want you just before I move on... I want you to notice those things are linked. They they are like a golden, they are like a chain. Those he predestined, he called. He called, he justified, he justified, he glorified, and that's it. Um, What then shall we say in response to this? There's now a response to this truth. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Wonderful, amazing words. I haven't got hundreds of sermons like Martin Lloyd-Jones had to present these words. I've just got today. So, if you know Martin Lloyd-Jones, it doesn't matter. But, uh, Lord Jesus, I pray for grace today that I would um, be truthful, that... Uh, we, would be, we would hear truth, we would be transformed by it. We thank you for your word, which is truth. Your word, your, you say, Jesus, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I pray, Lord, you would set people free today and you would transform us in Jesus' name. Let me just highlight a few, before I launch into it, I, let me just highlight a few things to you. Paul starts off by saying, and we know. Paul knows something. Paul is a man who is shipwrecked, who is whipped, who is beaten, who suffers, who goes without, is hungry. He's deserted at times. And many people believe that he was then martyred at the end of his life. He was killed for his faith. But he could say this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So notice those words, God working for good, for good. Just let those words sink in and I'll explain a bit more later as we go along. For those who love him. So he defines it's those people who, for whom he's working good is those who love him. And again, I highlight that, that point of those things being linked together. He predestined us and he called us and he justified us and he glorified us. In other words, God saves us. The name Jesus means... Yahweh or Jehovah, however you want to pronounce it, saves. God saves. And Jesus' name, is, he does what he says he does. He saves from beginning to end. And I'll explain that as we go along. So then, God is working all things together 
for good. As I begin, I want you to start off with uh, this picture of a pot here. Um, oh, lovely. Look at this beautiful, strong pot. Um, I don't know how you view your life. I've done some pottery in my time. That would be a quote that comes back to bite me. I've done some pottery in my time. And when you start using a, a, a wheel for, for potterying, ceramics, it's really quite tricky. Um, you, you throw the piece of clay down onto the wheel and you have to use force, your body. And initially, if you can have a good, you go like, like that as the wheel spins. And then you force yourself into it and you get a feel for it. And you get a feel for res- you, your force resists the wheel's force. And you begin to, it then becomes centred onto the wheel. And you throw water on it. You keep throwing water, it looks muddy and messy. And then you begin to shape the blooming, the blooming thing. And sometimes, you go, what happens is, it gets nice and big, oh, it's wonderful. You go, and makes a complete mess. But sometimes, you get a glorious pot out of it. I want you to, just as we begin... And these verses, really, just as a sort of an illustration which summarises these verses, that God is working in your life like a potter. And the Bible talks a lot, even in Romans, about being the potter and we being the clay, individually and together. He is the potter. We are the clay. And you may say, but my life is just, it's got a bit of, it's messy, you know? I'm feeling pressure. I'm feeling suffering and difficulty. But the promise is, is that through those things, God is making something out of you. He's conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ. This is a rubbish pot, may I say, Nick. Thanks for the effort. But you know, Nick is not God, but he's very good actually. You're very good at making things. Um, But this pot, but God, now we we can try and make our lives, right? And this may be a good, a good illustration of man without God trying to fix everything and trying to sort everything out. It's a bit of a poor pot, really. And, but when, when we allow God, when God, God is making something glorious, we won't see it all completed in this life. You will be glorified. You will be like Jesus. You will be glorified. Every effect of sin every effect of the fall will be completely removed through this life and when Jesus comes again. You'll receive a new body, you'll be completely transformed. And that is the hope we're going to. Our grand hope is not building this church to a congregation of a thousand. We want that. Our grand hope is is not doing anything which is smaller and, and limited. Our grand hope is that you will be perfect, transformed in his presence forever. That's the vision, that's where you're going, that's your destiny if you're a Christian. So that's the grand picture I wanted to paint over this passage. So who then is, for whom is God working all things together for good? And as I said there, God is working for the good of those who love him. He's working for the good of those who love him. He limits it. We can sometimes say, well, God, 
God is love. He just... He's got a special relationship with those who have faith in him. A special relationship. We sang it earlier about daughters and sons adopted into the family of God. He's got a special relationship with his children. If you've got children, you've got a special relationship with them, haven't you? A special responsibility to work in their lives. So who? It's, it's, it's those who love him. To be a Christian involves loving God. You can't be a Christian and not love God. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. Loving God is part of salvation. It's part of not... Ha- you don't love God to get saved. I keep saying this each week when I preach, is that it's a fruit of salvation. It's a fruit. When, when you become a Christian, you begin to love him. You begin to love him. It begins to overflow from you. You begin to see it through different ways in people's lives. Let me just turn to you, and you may want to turn it, if you've got a Bible with you, to Romans 5, 10 to 11. It says this. For if when we were God's enemies... Let me just point out to you, and I'm pointing out to you the fact that God doesn't save you because you love him. He saves you when you're enemies. And then you love him. By the work of the Spirit, through being born again, you begin to love him. He says this then, therefore. For when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son. How much more, having been reconciled, so having been saved, having become a Christian... Shall we'll be saved through his life. Not only is this so, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what happens is this. Jesus has died on the cross. At one point, we were enemies to it. We didn't believe in it. It's rubbish. It's nonsense. It's, it, it, it's, it's awful. What do you mean, God, someone dying on the cross to save me? Or maybe we just poo-pooed it. Oh well. I don't believe in it. I just don't believe in it. I don't know. But then somehow, and this happened to me, God draws you to himself. He, through, through circumstances, through people, through hearing chance conversations, hearing a song, different events, things happen in your life, God draws you to himself. And it's this. He says, then now we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you the question this morning. Are you, do you rejoice? Are you really, really excited about Jesus Christ? Are you? Is that, is that in your life? Is that, um, you may feel miserable today. Stand back from how you feel today. Stand back from how you feel for the last week or so. Generally speaking, are you someone that loves God? that loves particularly his definition as in Jesus Christ. I'm not just talking about, oh, I love to walk in the fields, and don't they look beautiful, I love... No, defined in Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for you, rising again. Do you love God? Do you love Jesus, his death and resurrection for you? Do you live for him? Now, I I don't judge you. 
I'm not your judge. As a Christian leader, it's, it's, and you may feel it as well, but, but I feel it, particularly as I've been a leader in this church, it's, it's easy to fall into judgmentalism. It's easy. You know? It's easy. Why aren't people? Why aren't they? Why did they? Why won't they? Why could? Surely they could. It's easy to fall into judgmentalism. I'm not your judge. God knows your heart. I want to ask you the question. Do you live to please him? Do you long to know him? Spend time with him? Put all friends, your marriage, your children beneath him? Is life all about him? And if in some measure you can say, yes, that's me, yes, that's me, then God is working all things together for your good. That's the promise to those who love him. I'm not asking if you're perfect. I'm asking you, do you love God? Do you have that sense, that tenor in your life, that bent towards, I want to know him. I've got a changed appetite. I've got a changed view. Oh, I do hope, I do hope that's you. If that's not you this morning, you can, you can come to know Jesus today. Maybe God's drawing you today. Maybe you're getting a sense that today, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Well, come and see me at the end. It'd be lovely to speak to you, to pray with you, to explain these things. So, for whom then? It's for those who love him. Secondly, what is the good purpose of good, good God? He's working all things together for good. What is the good? What is it he's doing? I've... I've, I've no, Nick made this pot. I asked him to make a pot. Now, God is not making you into a pot. A pot is a great metaphor for you. I, I, you know, a pot's good because a pot is something that can be used. It's something that, a vessel that can be filled by God. But what is God really? What is, what, how does God define his purpose for you? For, for you individually and as the church? Well, there's two aspects to this, but I could summarise it like this. God is restoring all things to their original perfection. None of us know what perfection is because we live in a fallen world. We love the beauty of the world. We love the beauty of mankind and one another. We love the, you know, the springtime, the summertime. Every season has its, has its wonderful... Um, has its wonderful qualities. We see wonderful things in mankind, inside and outside of the church. And we can see good things, but none of us have ever looked out on a landscape that is untouched by sin. You can go to the Amazon rainforest and you can say, it's been unspoilt by man. No, it's been spoilt by man. It's been spoilt by Adam. Adam sinned, it affected the whole world. Adam's sin affected the deepest part of the Amazon rainforest. It's decaying, it's bust. Now, the, the Bible doesn't explain these things. These things are mysterious. But nothing has been unaffected by sin. Nothing. And so, God is in the process of restoring mankind and the animal kingdom and nature, the whole thing, to its original glory an unspoilt state through Jesus Christ. So there are two aspects to this. Just to read, first of all, there's the groaning. There's a groaning of creation. The world. Somebody mentioned earlier, Kevin, about the 
terrible earthquake in uh, Christchurch. Well, you, would, you, you will remember there's been, there's been many natural disasters. Earthquakes in China. There's been uh, tsunamis. There's been uh, volcanoes. Just recently, wasn't there, that, 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 that volcano that shall never be pronounced that um, filled our skies with dust. The creation, the world, is broken. It's not as it should be. Let's just read these words. Romans 8, 19 to 22. This is this. The creation waits for the eager, with eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. So something in cre- create. It's not saying creation has a personality. It's just it's it's just painting it in these graphic pictures. Creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of him who subjected it. That's Adam. When Adam sinned, it affected creation. Creation, that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present Time. If you've ever had a child or know someone that has had a child, there's, there's some pain involved, isn't there? And, it's, and, and what will be has not yet come about. And there, is, there are many signs of what will be. There are pains that point to what will be. They've had a scan, maybe, that points to what will be. But what will be has not yet been brought to birth. And that's true of creation. Creation is not what it will be. Isn't it beautiful, creation? Do you ever been to the Lake District? Isn't creation beautiful? We looked out on, on the, go down the Hastings Seafront, look out across the sea. Isn't creation beautiful? But it's not yet what it will be. It is in the pains of childbirth. And it's going to be something far greater, glorious, wonderful, perfect, beautiful. But what about what I don't know all the questions? I don't know all the questions, all the answers. Okay, so what is the good purpose of God? First, there are two aspects to it creation being sorted out. The second aspect is our groaning being fulfilled. So, verse 8, verse 18 says, I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So present sufferings will be eclipsed by the glory that we will experience. You may say, but that can't be the case. Let me ask, let me just invite you, not to believe me, but to believe his promise. Your present sufferings will not be worth comparing to the glory. To the glory. Amazing joy, such transcendent joy, such fulfilled, complete satisfaction in his presence forever, on a new heavens and a new earth, that somehow there will be an eclipse of that grief. Let's carry on, verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, so we have the Holy Spirit in us, groan inwardly. So Christianity has a groan to it. 
It's not just happy, clappy all the way. There's a groan to it. There's a, oh, Lord, please, to it. There's a, oh, please, Lord. Oh, please, look at the world. Oh, please, look at my friends. Oh, please, look at me, change me. Oh, please, would you come? There's a groan to it. It's not all about that. But there's, in us, there's that sense as well. Groan in e- inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So our bodies are not yet what they will be. We pray for healing and we expect healing, but any healing you get is only temporary. I mean, as in, you will die. <laughs> Unless Jesus comes again, you're going to die, guys. Sort of prophesy over you with great accuracy. You are going to die. Alright? And your bodies will go down into the grave, return to the elements, but you, if you are a Christian, you are waiting for the redemption of your body. When Jesus comes again, you'll have a new body. It'll be great, Gary, won't it? Great, won't it, Jill? Great, won't it? It's going to be great, Simon. It's going to be great. I'm not picking on your bodies in particular, I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> they're going, well, what about my, what's wrong with my body? My body's fine. Just your happy faces, I'm looking out on you. Just... Some of you will be suffering with sickness more than others, but we're all suffering from sickness. We're all, we're all decaying. All of us, every one of us. And some of us will... Uh, well, enjoy better health than others. But we still pray for healing, don't get me wrong. But there's this, gro- there's this groaning within for this uh, fulfilment of what God is going to do. So present sufferings, inward groaning, but these are not worth comparing with the glory that will be fulfilled in us. We will enjoy the redemption of our bodies. The spirit within us is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Glory with him. But we have to wait for it, and it says it in there, patiently. Patience is needed. Ask for patience. Please, Father, give me patience. Give me grace. Help me to cope through these days. So we're going to have a new body in a new heavens and a new earth. Jesus' work will be complete. The cross was not just for your forgiveness, it was for your complete transformation and the transformation of a whole of creation. Him dying on the cross there, it is finished. Blackness and darkness came over that region. I don't know if it was the earth. Creation itself was shaken, it says. There was an earthquake. And all those things point to that the heavens and the earth The temple's curtain was torn from top to bottom, meaning that you now have access to God because of Jesus. So through Jesus, the heavens, the earth, and your access to Jesus, and your body, everything will be transformed if you have faith in him. And it demands patience in these days. So we have two overarching things. Christians are being changed to be like Jesus. We are, in that sense, being glorified. The more you become like Jesus, is the more, glo- the more glorious you are. Now Jesus, you've got to read about Jesus. He was a very heroic, uh, 
compassionate, gentle, feeling person. He wept. He was very strong with people. He, wasn't, he, was, he was meek, but not meekness, but what, what we mean by that is a wet blanket. He was a powerful man, a man of faith, a man who lived for what he believed. He went to Jerusalem to die on the cross and rose again. And God wants to use men and women to be like Jesus, committed to the Father, living morally, generously, giving your life for his purposes. That's what he wants you to be like. And ultimately, Jesus, when he rose again, he had a new resurrection body, and you're going to have that as well. So we are being glorified on this earth, and we will be completely glorified. This is a work that begins now and is only completed when Jesus returns and his salvation work is completed. And we will be in glorified bodies with glorified friends in the presence of the most glorious God. Let's just read, or I'll read it to you, Revelation 20. It says this, Or 21 even. Yes, 21, 3 to 5. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now, is the, this is like when Jesus returns, okay? Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. There's a new reality coming a new closeness, a new... We will see with our eyes, now we, now we live by faith. We have the Spirit in us, but we don't see Jesus face to face. Everything we do is by faith. Me moving to Putney is by faith. Nobody... I didn't wake up and, and I heard an audible voice saying, Matt, I'd really like you to move to Putney. I've got a plan for you there. There's people that need to be saved. And by, you know, I want you to touch these people's lives. It doesn't, there's a sense, an inward sense, that God is moving us on. But we will see face to face. God himself will be with them, be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, which means there must have been tears in their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, which means for his people even, there was death, mourning, crying and pain. For the old order of things has passed away. The old order of the fallen world is passing away. He's working all things together for good and we will be glorified. So what is he doing then? He's glorifying us with Jesus and we will live with him on a glorified earth forever and the old order of things will be passed away and that is a very good thing. <laughs> Isn't that a very good thing? Are you, I don't know if you're, if you're feeling excited about this. I don't know if you're thinking, man, I've heard this before, I don't know. Maybe you think, I've never heard this before. I thought, I thought Christians, you just go to heaven. I didn't think about the earth. I, I didn't think about getting a new body. I thought I was just like a spirit, going to live in the clouds somehow. It's wonderful. Maybe it's an anticlimax for you. Maybe this feels like an anticlimax. Maybe this is not doesn't really scratch where I'm itching, really. I'm more into other things. Perhaps your idea of a good purpose are things like 
having great wealth, having many possessions, sex, pleasures, popularity, happiness. There is a great search in the human heart for true satisfaction, isn't there? Men and women's magazines, top gear, glamorous television shows and films, the iPad and the... Oh, the iPad will fulfil me. If I had an iPad, my life would be altogether better, wouldn't it? Many of you believe it would. Oh, the new iPhone. Oh, if I had the new iPhone. Maybe. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> For those who know, you know. You're thinking, if I had that new thing, life would be altogether better. These things promise joy. They promise satisfaction. Maybe that's maybe where you're at. You're going, actually, no, I don't want all that glory stuff being with God forever and enjoying him. I want more like gadgets. <laughs> and like wealth and like really big TV and a nice house in the country. In Australia. Oh, if I move to Australia, everything. When I fly high, Australia. Uh, that was the song I was going to say. I nearly sang it. Oh, if I move to Australia, that's glorious. That's where the glory is. No, 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 no. no. None of those things satisfy they are idols. It's all idols. You take yourself with you. God calls you to Australia, by all means go. With my blessing. Enjoy yourself. Invite me there. <laughs> on holiday. And pay the fare. <laughs> but true satisfaction, I'm telling you friends, is found in Jesus. Put down the glass. Put down the chicken wing and leg. Put down the shiplu curry. Put it down. Go and find Jesus. He's easy to find. He knocks at the door. He's here. Take some time out. Give, give him that half an hour. Give him an hour. Give him a couple of hours. You'll find your... You, you, you get centred on the wheel again. Oh, Yes. You're, you're what it's all about. I'm sorry I've been searching in other things. God knows what's best for you, friends, mankind. All these things. I recently went to the tip. We are moving house. I'm organising everything. <laughs> Where's Helen? She's at the back, sorry. I'm not organising anything. Helen is organising everything. <laughs> Yesterday I was laying a kitchen floor and she would... You wish I would work all together much quicker, don't you? Yes. But, you know, I'll get there. But, you know what, we drove to the tip and uh, I was taking all this stuff to the tip and as you get there, do you know what, you, I bet you like this, you, you pull your car and you go, wow, it's got not good stuff around here. <laughs> it's not good stuff. I saw a, a computer desk. Computer desk. And I heard Helen's voice saying, you get that computer desk, you're dead. <laughs> Washing machines, bikes, tons of bikes. There was an, elect an electric tractor. Kids one. 
electric tractor. Man, that was a wonderful thing to look at. It called me. But you know what all these things are? They were promises, weren't they, of joy? They were promising so much. How much nagging did those that their parents get to get that electric tractor? Oh, if I had that electric tractor, everything would be great. Now where is it? In the tip. All those things we, we spend our time and energies and life on, they end in the tip. God knows what is good for you, and what is good for you is him. It's him. I'm not saying you don't get an electric tractor, or, or that, just don't. Give your life to it. He calls you to live for him. Only God can meet your deepest longings and deepest needs. Now sometimes we are like spoilt children. We are ignorant, we are arrogant, we think we know what's best. And with all due respect, your Father in heaven knows what's best for you. Come to him. If you don't quite know how to put, I don't know what to do. Talk to a, talk to a friend in the church. How do I get involved? What, what does it mean to follow Jesus? I don't understand it. Well, we're here to help you. We want to help you to do that. So how does God work all things together for good? How does he do it? I've said that he does it for those who love him. I've said he's doing it for glory of the earth and our bodies. He's changing us to be like Jesus. But how does he do it? I really want to bring in this word sovereignty. The sovereignty of God. Sovereignty means that God controls everything. 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 It says not even the hairs on your head are numbered. Not a swallow falls from the ground without the knowledge of your Father, Jesus says. You are much more. And the point of sovereignty is not so you can go, but hang on, what about, and what about, and what about? The point of sovereignty, God's rule, is so you can go, oh, I worship you and I trust you. That's the point of it. I trust you. It's not a philosophical idea to argue about. It's a fact and truth for us to believe in. Either God is God or he's not. God is God or he's not. And God is definitely God. And uh, I believe that. So how? He works all things together for good for those who love him. Through every aspect of our lives. Through everything. Sorry, Nick. He is working on us. Through everything. No boundaries to it. Everything. Don't take it up with me. You can look in the original Greek if you like. It's there. Everything he's working for your good. We know it, Paul says. I wonder if you know it. I wonder if you know it. I wonder if you know what he's... I wonder if you realise that in everything. Through every aspect of our lives, God is glorifying us. Making us like Jesus through joy, through pain, through disappointment, through relational tension. We know about those, don't we? Through gain, through loss, through teaching through circumstances. God is working all things. And it, and it must be said, it's particularly through trials and suffering that we learn most. Do you agree? Yeah. Oh yes, it's true. Trials disrupt our routine. We're on autopilot often, aren't we? One person 
once said to me about his church, not about you, none of you, he said, you can tell sometimes when people are going through suffering because they start turning up to the prayer meeting. And it's true. I often find when there's suffering and difficulty, people tend to come alive to God. It's like, oh, I need God. I, I need him to come through. I, I need him. I, 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 it's like it, it shakes us. Trials disrupt our routine, draw us closer to God. Trials test our faith. Do we really believe this stuff? You know, I, I know today, don't we, we know it, all across, in Christ church right now, there are peoples, people whose loved ones have died. Aren't there? There are people who are mourning and hoping against all hope that somehow in all this, this destruction that somebody will be pulled out alive. And we can stand here and we can, we can, we can assent to it. It's true. We, we believe it's true. But it doesn't shake your faith. Probably doesn't. Maybe it does. But when that equally true thing happens to you, oh yes, it's then become really true, isn't it? Then you know suffering. Then you know grief. It tests you. Do you believe this stuff? This book isn't written to people who are living in, in, uh, you know, in the West and, and peace. The Roman Christians are going through immense trials. That's why the book is being written. Paul himself is going through immense suffering. And these things draw us, do I really believe God loves me? Do I really believe in life after death? Do I really believe these things when we go through suffering? Trials prove God's faithfulness. He comes through for us. Trials humble us, reveal our weakness, reveal sin in us. Reveal our need of God. God is working all things together for God through his sovereign power. Let me just share something with you. Just band, just want to come up, please. As I finish. I wonder about your life as you look back about God's work in your life. For myself, it seems quite, um, as you look at your life, it seems very haphazard. It can seem, it doesn't seem to have much. um, Is God really at work? But from the perspective of heaven, God is very, very wise and very, very broad and eternal. And you've got to remember your life will go on forever. We don't don't know the good and grace and wonderful things that comes out of our suffering. We don't know. Only God knows. Sometimes we do get a glimpse of it though, don't we? And I know certainly in my own life. I remember in... It was in 1989 that my father died and it was through that event that I began to seek God 
and ask questions about Christianity. I'd already, I was already asking questions, but really it was through that event that was a catalyst for me to really think, and it's often through those kinds of events that you begin to really wonder about God. And it's through me becoming a Christian, so it's, it's through that, that I, I, be, I, became, I, I started coming to this church. And it's through becoming a Christian that my brother Nick became a Christian. I invited him along. Now he's married to Hannah and his two children, Noah and Woody, are now being brought up in a Christian home. I don't give myself credit for that. I'm just saying you can see links and wonderful fruit that comes out of things, if you look. And it's through, me, it's through coming to King's that I met my wife Helen, who came here through a very chance um, encounter with some people that came from Canada and said, why don't you go to King's Hastings and go and meet some young people down there? And she came and we met. Through meeting my wife, Samuel and Emily were born and both now know Jesus. I had a desire to be a church leader from the start, from the moment I became a Christian. But through various circumstances, I ended up going to university, becoming a school teacher for six years, and that was a steep learning curve. Um, my wife thinks I'm... You know, I am a different person through to what I was. I had no boundaries, no understanding of, 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 organ, of faithfulness or anything, and it's through this, the squeeze and through the pressure of these things that God has, trans has transformed, changed me, and through my wife Helen as well. I was asked to join Nigel Dutton's team about seven or so, seven or so years ago, which changed my plans. We had a desire to move to another town at that time, and God came in and changed our plans, clearly. And it was through doing a th theology training for the last four years that I had a chance conversation with someone which led to my move to Putney and a fresh challenge. I could never have envisaged on that rain-soaked night in 1989 when my dad died that that event will be the catalyst for me standing here today telling you that I'm going, serving God. And you don't know, do you, what's at work in your life? But God is good. Amen. He's working all things together for good for those who love him. Let's sing, shall we, and then we'll finish.